Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Elliot, Trevor, we're back again. We are. In the, in the same week. People don't know this, but by the magic of the editing and, and you know all your incredible abilities, we're recording another episode in the exact same week, it's, which it's means amazing. we doubled up on our films. Yes. We are we are filmaholics right now. Our eyes are a little <laughs> crossed, but, you know, it, it works. I mean, I mean... I, I would say our eyes are a little crossed <laughs> after watching with these next one two of the films, films we, we just watched. <laughs> yes. um, you want to go ahead and, and, and delve oh, into yeah. the... Uh... <laughs> oh, the, the masterpieces that unfold before us. Okay, well, this week we are taking a look at Paprika from 2006 and Millennium Actress from 2001, Satoshi Kon's magnum opuses from his career. He unfortunately passed away when he was 46 from pancreatic cancer he's one of japan's very prolific directors he did perfect blue he had a unfinished work of art dreaming machine which was his final film before he passed away unfortunately and it still has not been completed they have been trying to get it completed and unfortunately they only have 600 of the 1500 shots completed and Jeez. it's still in production limbo right now so but while we're waiting for that film we caught up on some of his older films paprika and millennium actress and trevor what do you think about these i just want to say real quick to, to preface everything i want to say well you know we talked about uh vin vinders with yes. his with his two films wings of desire and the american friend yep. satoshi Kon's paprika i feel like is his the american friend in like a crazy <laughs> alternate drug-induced world in yes. a way and then millennium actress is like his deep feeling homage to really all, to all japan humanity like yeah he, yeah pretty much but let's just pull the the curtain back on paprika elliot let's just let's just dive right okay. in i know you are the same way as me but and people can't see what our reactions are right now but if you've seen paprika i can tell you this is definitely by far the most amount of times my jaw has been on the ground in a film that I've ever watched in my life. The whole time. And I could see I could probably say that you you could Likewise. agree. Most of the time your 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 mouth is just a gape. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Well, with Paprika, I believe Satoshi Kohn was really trying to set up this very obviously psychological thriller. It was based on Yatsutaka's Satsui's 1993 novel of the same name. And about a research psychologist who uses this machine or device to help patients by entering their dreams it kind of sets up the stage for a other well-known film inception so it has been known that christopher nolan really heavily drew influence from paprika i mean he definitely watched this film i mean it's so evident in inception and paprika they're very of the same ilk and you know in essence though paprika is like a mixture of David Lynch, Terry Gilliam, and Alfred Hitchcock all rolled into one film, visually, stylistically, yeah, I, I would and say. narratively too, because you're slipping and sliding amorphously into each other's into into each dream that you're going into for each one of these characters, and you don't really know what is real. You have no idea what reality is. The whole film. Even at the end, by the end of the film, you still have no idea what yes. reality is. Are we still dreaming? Are we still in the dream world or not? Which Inception does with the very last shot being the spinning top. 
and it just stays on mm -hmm. that shot at the very end and it leaves the question are we still dreaming and there's times when reality itself feels like a dream this whole world itself feels like a dream and we have not woken from either the nightmare or a good dream and we're stuck in almost a loop in a way i think with paprika that's where the reality and the dream world really come into play because you have these characters especially with the cop that they set up at the very beginning of the film when you're first mm -hmm. introduced mm -hmm. to the cop character detective kogawa we're introduced to his character at the very beginning and it's a circus and it has a very childlike feel to it too because you have these characters from the circus and then it blends it morphs into a dream itself because you think it's an actual like this guy is chasing a, down a perpetrator and he starts hallucinating that he sees himself in a cage <laughs> which is symbolism for how he feels when he's in the dream world and kind of how he feels mm -hmm. in life itself because this could also be an allegory to how satoshi Kon felt in life as well because a lot of his films deal with this caged element of we're trapped in a world yeah. we cannot escape well i think one of the most telling moments of that is when dr shiba mm -hmm. atsuko 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 yeah. atsuko is in her dream state, and she ends up on that table, the yeah. butterfly, the specimen table. I think that's a beautiful, almost like symbolism because butterflies are looked at as, you know, very free creatures, right? Very, very open and- Transformative. Absolutely. Yeah. But in that scene, she's pinned to that table as like a prize, you know, she can't mm -hmm. escape. And, and like you were saying, it's it's it goes back to that, you know, she's also trapped, or even, even so Satoshi Kon is saying, you know, that, People can be trapped because because to me, dreams allow you to I feel like a key word for me with dreams is mm -hmm. freedom, right? Dreams are only limited by what your mind can create and your imagination. Yeah. So with this movie, with with this film, he's actually more so showing that dreams can also be very like for these dreams can be very uh pressuring you know that they, they they they're not free they're a lot of a lot of the stuff we're seeing is i could you could classify as a nightmare in, in a sense yes because you you get a sense of anxiety when you're seeing these characters go through what they're what's unraveling before them especially when one of the main scientist the heavy set guy goes into his dream and he becomes the robot and he's just trapped in this little box <laughs> And the, the, the funny thing is there's all these little hints of Satoshi Kon referencing elements of Japanese culture in there. I mean, you have the, unfortunately, you have the tentacle porn in there. You have the, the female being trapped within a male dominant society. It's kind yeah. of the technology, the technology aspect is there as well. Um, gun, you know, like the anime look of the film itself, even with some of the circus characters too it's all very stylized to make it look and be almost a reflection of japanese culture and cone saying or cone saying that there these are elements that are very hindering to our society in a sense but also are a staple of who we are and our identity as japanese people again with how our people perceive too because Mm -hmm. that even comes up as like a part of the film itself because you know the heavyset guy is very aware of his weight issue and he 
Mm -hmm. He dreams of being something that he's not, you know, a robot hero character in his dream. But then he ends up getting the girl in the end, in a sense. And Mm -hmm. because she finally realizes, oh, I was being kind of a a bitch to you (laughs) and such. And yeah, but it's interesting how Cone uses dreams to help work through some psychological block with a lot of these characters. And then, you know, with how he does it in Millennium Actress, it's more mm-hmm. of a, he plays more with memory than reality. I mean, memory and reality kind of start blending together in Millennium Actress more so. Yeah, I love that. I Like I said at the beginning, you know, Millennium Actress is his love letter to, you know, his culture, but also humanity in general, because that film really touches your heart. I mean, Paprika can touch your heart as well. It's just, it's much harder to see the meaning because literally the film is moving at a hundred miles an hour yeah, at all it times. It does not stop. It's a consistent, just action packed, uh, dream mind, excuse the term yeah, mind j- fuck, <laughs> but it yeah. literally, it really messes with your mind because it, it, it literally makes you think and makes you use your brain and trying to unravel the pieces that are being shown in front of you and such so yeah you you have the giant doll chasing chasing them down for a majority of the movie you have godzilla appear at one point or something that looks like godzilla you have the giant battle between our main character who goes from a child to an adult and then sucks up (laughs) in a sense it's also a way of finding out what the root of the problem is with our own perception of reality and just dreaming in general because really mm. the machine that they develop is to help patients dream and help them work through their problems that way so in a sense we're kind of doing that as well as we watch the film with the dc minis the things that basically do the, the dreaming i feel like satoshi Kon took from the matrix for that oh for sure like yeah heavy jacking into the matrix aspect where you know, it has that cyberpunk feel to it because you are going into a different world. Yeah, you're becoming somebody else, pretty much. And and becoming the better, hopefully the better version of yourself. Because even with Detective Kogawa's character, he's wishing that he was not a cop, you know, because he keeps seeing the repeated victim that he supposedly shot. And it was actually, turns out, I think it was his friend from way back in his past that he felt guilty of betraying in this sense, because he was like, oh, we're going to go into films and make movies together and such. And he ended up being a cop. If I'm correct, it's also at the beginning, it's him for a while that he's shooting. Right. He's shooting himself. Because, you know, he sees himself in the cage. He sees himself shooting his own self in a sense that could be his own soul in a way mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it has that really interesting duality to you know if you enter the dream and you're fighting your own self and to how do you wake from that dream yeah i mean S- satoshi literally just took everything that came to his i feel like everything that came to his mind when he was when he was creating this film and just put it on a page and then made it make sense but in a way that unless you're really paying attention you're quite lost i feel like for a lot of the film oh yes especially (laughs) it brings us to the giant woman sucking up that's what i was talking about yes (laughs) where where she literally goes from a child 
yes. before your very eyes and sucks up a man. That sounds yes. terrible, but that's literally what happens. You guys need to watch it. It's quite a trippy roller coaster of, of a ride because the animation is oh, the on par with any <sighs> Studio Ghibli film that has come out. It's uh, I mean, it, it's its own independent type of film and has a style unto Cone's insane mind <laughs> and such because he he had such a well he had a very creative mind too. You, you see it in each one of his works, especially in Millennium Actress, because he's taking his influence of the history of Japanese cinema and kind of bring us along this journey of memory and remembering the past because in in this film you know we have a film crew led by Genya who's like the ultimate fan of this actress Chioko and Chioko has a secret that she has not told anyone for a very long time she's elderly you know she's in her got to be in her 80s and such when the film crew comes to her and she's a retired film actress from Japan's heyday of cinema. So, and through multiple vignettes of her being in the films that she was in, she retells the story of how she met this stranger and got this key that supposedly unlocked a certain whatever they never really describe what it unlocks in a in a sense though it unlocks the memory of her remembering this man that she met when she was a child and yeah. never gave up on him and finding him because because of World War II mm-hmm. goes through the 50 well basically the 40s the 50s and the 60s in each age and we see different vignettes of Japanese cinema there you know you have the Japan the very uh Kurosawa-esque seven samurai ninja yeah. you know fueled scenes where Chiyoko's playing those characters and somehow is weaving the fact that she's never giving up on this man, which I thought was a very indelible trait to her character because the fact that Kohn is playing with reality and blending reality with fiction with how she's reacting to other characters in the scenes that she's in in these films adds to that mm-hmm. blend of memory and reality. And, and it's just a, it's also a very just fun film yeah. to watch, especially when the film crew gets involved and he becomes and they're just many watching of the, you know, <laughs> with the camera. Many of the protagonists, I guess right. you could say, right? And 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 then his his buddy who's holding the camera is like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> This is this is not. But then again, that's where you kind of see the influence of Paprika in the film, right? With all the quick changes of the different sets, yeah. per se, as opposed to dreams. Well, We're just going It becomes through. like imagination. You know, he's Genya's using mm-hmm. he's remembering along with Chioko that we yeah. it's a, a shared lived experience that they went through together because he was on the set as like yeah. a production assistant. And met her way mm-hmm. back when, but she doesn't really remember. But until she does finally remember, oh, I she he's the man who saved my life on set. You know, I mm-hmm. uh, spoiler, spoiler, but it, it's 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 pretty an amazing film because it, it just goes through each age of Japanese cinema, it, even just cinema in general. Because there's even references to 2001: A Space Odyssey in it, especially at the very beginning mm-hmm. when they're 
going up in the spaceship and she's about to travel into space and they're like don't mm. leave and such so mm-hmm. the shots are oh and then when she's on when she's on the um the, the moon or whatever yeah. planet she's on and she's looking at that painting of like where it all started yeah. pretty much with the footprints it's in brilliant. the snow i love how Cohn uses those sets as metaphors for how the character's feeling at the time because in space you have that mm-hmm. isolation that alone that loneliness that comes along with being so far away from home and she wanted to go back to that that right. moment where she's running through that's because that's where she first, exactly. first met him and they had talked about meeting at that point of where they could meet again at some point in their lives for me i i think this also you know you kind of covered it but i think this also really illustrates and and just tells beautifully the life of an artist exactly like the up the the ups downs the just the the memories the career and and just just tells a beautiful journey of how beautiful art can be and especially you know as an as an actor or actress you know having those those memories in that time and and that that connection to all these different you know roles you played and to look back on because you know this as well, but most actors never truly retire. They just create until they yeah. until they die. They'll keep working until pretty much, and they don't ha- they can't work anymore. You know. And I thought this was a beautiful encapsulation of, of well, all any that. artist wants to create and and leave a staple of themselves on this earth. You know, leave a a, a portion of themselves on this earth in some capacity. So, in essence, Chioko leaves that mark of herself but she was really she's really doing it because she's hoping that this man that she met as a child will see her films which i thought was a very Mm -hmm. interesting it wasn't a selfish thing she was doing for to be an actress she was doing it because she yeah wanted to find this guy and the fact that time and space itself didn't lend itself to allowing them to reconnect is is a sad notion in a sense but that stuff happens in real life that's where the reality is and i think the escapism yeah. of going back and remembering the memory of the good times and the bad becomes in a sense its own journey in, in itself and really we talked a little bit about how cone really was influenced by Kurosawa, David Lynch, Terry Gilliam, Alfred Hitchcock. Well, I see f- a lot of Yasujiro Ozu in this film, Millennium Actress, because just in yeah. the way, mm-hmm. the simplicity of ha- of Japan through the ages, just lets and how World War II is portrayed, and how it shows Japan recovering from the war and having several nu- like two nuclear bombs dropped on them, it. It adds, Mm -hmm. you know, like that changes a nation's psyche because that's that's a horrific moment in their history and affect them for the rest of their lives. So the fact that this film shows that recovering and the the mentality of people during that time, you know, also how women are portrayed too as just the stay-at-home moms Mm -hmm. and cannot go and work in the workforce. You know, the contrast between Chiyoko's mother and herself is very evident because they're from two different time periods. You know, the fact that her mom Mm -hmm. is like, no, you will get married and you will have children and you'll be the main child rearer of the the family and such. And you should not go out and work. But she wants to work because she has self-worth. Yeah. And I I love that in all the films that they show, she is 
a, a strong protagonist as well. Cone, Satoshi Cone really does in a lot of his films. I mean, with Paprika, it was Paprika, the character, which ends up being... Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm not going to say who it ends up being, but, but Paprika... Yeah. I kind of I kind of spoiled it, but yes. I didn't at the same time, so it's all good. <laughs> but no, like with Paprika, there's Paprika, the AI that helps journey these characters through the dreamscape in a sense, and then you have Chioko's character who's helping us or guiding us through her memories. So you have these mm-hmm. very pre- prevalent female heroines that are the guide through life in a way, in a sense. And then, you know, with some of Satoshi Kon's other works, such as Perfect Blue, where a character basically has a breakdown because it shows the horrors of idledom and how a woman collapses under the pressure of being thrust in the, into the spotlight, basically. Kon really understood how it felt to be a woman, in a sense, because, and I, the, he's been noted to be quoted that he he was really drawn to those because he doesn't have that he himself is not a woman so he was like more drawn to the other opposite sex to understand how they feel and such millennium actress is truly i believe like his his love letter to not only his culture but just also to, to the industry but also to i think his journey as well i, I don't know about you but for me millennium actress I could think of some films, like a lot of films that it kind of was late, but for me, the notebook like just kept coming to my mind over and over and over and over again, just with how it's all kind of set up. It has a very Nicholas Sparks type of feel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, in a sense, it is a romantic film and has kind of a, well, it's a romantic drama and it really has that the remembrance of certain memories in our lives and people in our lives that we're drawn to and such. But I think the fantasy world that she kind of escapes into though, kind of puts it into more of the science fiction realm and also more of the fantasy science fiction realm in, in a sense. So, and I think Satoshi Kon always really wanted to show a certain level of reality, but then really push the envelope on <laughs> what is real and throw his characters into these very strange situations and such. Well, I mean, he definitely did that with, with Paprika. Uh, oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mouth agape and, oh, my God, what is this film? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But again, like you were saying, you know, it also just... The underlying thing for the whole film is that she's trying to remember, you know, find the, the person that, that she lost. And that key at the end, not completely spoiling it, but, but like you were saying, she realizes that that key is, is what... It was more about finding what she had lost than actually being back in that same situation. She was more in love with the journey than the yeah. destination. And I feel like we as, we as people get caught up a lot of time in you know, just thinking about where we want to be and not savoring the time that we're... And this goes back to... We've, we've talked about this, this topic in a bunch of our, our, our episodes, though, but it, it reigns true always. And I think this film greatly, greatly captures that. But we, we spend so much time you know, thinking about the, the future, you know, where are we going to be in five years? You know, you get that question in school. Where do you see yourself in five mm-hmm. years, in 10 years, in 20 years? Yeah. And it's like, 
with everything going on, we forget to be in the present and just live and and just be here, be be present be in, in what we're doing, and soak in and be and be thankful for for where we're at right now. Don't exactly. worry about because also also goes both ways. People worry a lot about the past and things they've done, and they're like, "Oh, I regret this and mistakes and things like that." But it's life. Life mm-hmm. is full of ups, downs, positives, negatives, mistakes, triumphs. Like that's that's yeah. just how it goes. And so many people will look, especially. And I think this is also a big thing, especially in the arts, as an actor, or as a you know an artist, as a as a writer, as a singer, whatever it may be. We spend so much time thinking about like where we could be, as opposed to you know where we are now, like creating now. The great journey of life itself is is really the fun of it, and and should be cherished. Yeah for each life's journey through this life, you know, in, in a sense. So, yeah. yeah and, and, and that's what I think with millennium actress that really un- unpacks that notion of how we perceive time and, and space and also how we perceive life in, in a sense. And it's mm-hmm. really Satoshi Kon's reflection of life itself. That's why a lot of people say like, this was one of his best films, millennium actress. And then, you know, from this point, though, it gave him a great starting point to advance and go beyond his, um, you know, the the very regimented or very, yeah, very regimented notions of what makes a film and how can we play with that reality? Yeah, it was because I, you know, I was telling you about his other show that he did, uh, Paranoia Agent. I just watched that and it's very similar to Paprika because Again, playing with reality. It's basically a detective story where these cops are trying to trace down who this mysterious killer is. And they think it's this kid, but who's going around beating people with a baseball bat, but it, it unravels into like a whole psychological thriller. And it ends up being some kind of, again, inception of a memory or implanted memory that someone's like above or someone in power is then implanting into people's minds to make them become killers. Like it unlocks a certain part of our psyche that makes us snap and go into killer mode. Our most basic animal instincts. Pretty much yeah, our primal instincts. I, I, I think, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing that you could take paprika, which is over the top and crazy and still take elements from that film and then create something as beautiful and simple and heartwarming as Millennium Actress. I think what Satoshi did from Paprika to Millennium Actress is just phenomenal. And I think both films are incredible in their own way. And they both have such an amazing underlying story that's not just, you know, a love story or a crazy, you know, acid trip. Well, we talked about the universality of a common language in cinema. We had this with Vim Vendors in the last episode. We have this with Satoshi Kon. We have this with even Ridley Scott with Blade Runner. You know, it all kind of, they all relate to each other because they're all dealing with that human aspect and how are we unpacking and observing life and people itself. You know, the great directors observe people really well. That's what makes a great director is that they can observe people and write a beautiful story about them. It's interesting when I saw this film, because a number of years ago, there was a game that came out on, I believe it was on probably the PC, 
but it was called To the Moon. And I believe this was an, a direct love letter to this film. Like, I, I believe it was literally this film. And so here's the premise, all right? You tell me if this sounds, okay. sounds familiar. <laughs> a story-driven experience about two doctors, two filmmakers, traversing backwards through a dying man's memories to artificially fulfill his last wish. It ends with a rocket launch as he promised he would go to the moon for his wife. Yes. It's exactly like, it's actually like a blend it's, of it, Paprika and Millennium Actress. In a sense, right? you know? <laughs> but as soon as I started watching Millennium Actress, I was like, I've seen this. Yeah. Like, I've seen this in, in, a, different, in a different medium, and that's beautiful. And uh, the game is phenomenal. I know it's not a game. We're not, we're not talking well, about games on here, you but know, like, it's a beautiful they story. They say there's only like really 12 great stories that are out there, and it's how you manipulate them yep. and shape them into your own thing. Well, this is, a, you uh -huh. know, I, I hate to say a lot of films will do this, but a lot of it, as we said in the last episode, that we, these directors all kind of do their own thing, but also will reference each other. And that's up to us, the detectives, to really look at cinema and how it all relates to one another. Because, you know, in essence, we're all put on this earth. We all have similar viewpoints. And what's the commonality between those viewpoints and visions mm of how we see the world itself. That's that's where at this moment the fireworks go off and above <laughs> our heads it spells out humanity. And then we all get sucked like up by a giant like woman. Of any <laughs> <laughs> of any word we say more than anything else or every, or every episode, humanity has got to be it's like take a drink every time we say yes. humanity. In our I know episodes. right? <laughs> or reality. But but it but it, it's it's true. It's true and that's uh, even this is animated film, yeah. right? This is this is this is a totally different culture and we we've watched films from all over the world so far, and and you know we've watched films from the very beginning to to you know a little bit more current with these, and these aren't still that current, yeah. right? But it, there's still that beautiful, just uh, explanation and ex exploration of the human being, mm -hmm. of us, of our souls. Like it, when a film just can touch your soul. Yeah, I'm all for you know your action packed films that are they really you know place. out there, yeah. and you go to the theater to see. They have their place. But these films right here are treasures, and the, the, our our goal here is just to be able to share these with you because these are films that need mm -hmm. to be seen. They're films that, even though they're not in our language, even though they're not yeah. in English, they are absolutely incredible works of art that deserve to be shared for years to come because these directors created something beautiful and wanted to tell a beautiful story about themselves ultimately it's about them because every artist makes makes their work i feel like to mimic who they are they have it's to they throw themselves yeah. in there somewhere because it's a self-reflection yeah that's what artists do it's just absolutely it's a self-reflection of, of of oneself and i believe paprika is a little bit you know like i said a little bit more crazy but uh satoshi Kon in both films is really exploring himself and he's doing it in two very different ways but at the same time they're two just beautiful beautiful creations that he was able to give us before right. you know his time on this earth yeah. was, was done if you like this episode make sure to follow us on social media at film detectives for further news and upcoming shows join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.